In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My mother and I have a friend who is applying for citizenship in the United States. She has filled out several years' worth of paperwork, and about two weeks ago or so, she took her examinations, where she answered questions about the history of our country, the names of some of our current elected officials, and a civics portion to demonstrate that she understands how our government functions and the theories about constitutional democracies. Once she swears her oath to be a citizen, to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States, she will, in effect, leave her former country behind, including her father, her mother, and her brothers and sisters, and forge, or in this case, continue to forge a new life here. Citizenship, and we usually use that term to think about members of countries or territories, but we can also broaden it out to mean a group. We usually use members instead of citizens for groups. But being a citizen or a member means taking some things on and also forsaking others, giving other things up. Because, you see, it means something to be part of something. Rotary clubs and lion clubs have their rules. The Boy Scouts usually recite an oath each time they meet. And even when someone assumes an office, both civil, like in government, or religious, clerical, like me, deacons, bishops, there are oaths and pledges that are made because once we emerge on the other side of that oath or that pledge, the oath-taker's life is changed forever. It's the exact same way for Christians. We make pledges, or if we were baptized as infants, they were made for us until our confirmation to live into a certain style of life. Our baptismal vows are the oath we take that we are going to live a life that conforms to what Christ has called us to live into as we recognize it through the revealings of the teaching of the church. But more importantly, and something that we sometimes forget, is our baptism calls us to die and to be resurrected at the same time dead to the world, but resurrected with Christ through water and the Spirit. That is part of the fundamental understanding that we need in order to approach St. Paul in many places of his epistles. And today's portion from the letters to the Colossians is one such place. St. Paul doesn't always say, because of your baptism in Christ, but we recognize the language that he is using because of what we hear from him so often. And it's kind of like for us recognizing the words to the Pledge of Allegiance. We don't have to start at the very, very beginning. We might be able to pull out certain phrases. Or we recognize what wedding vows sound like. So it is when we learn to read St. Paul, we recognize what he's talking about sometimes. And what St. Paul is saying here is that because we have been baptized in Christ, 
we have taken our vows to follow Christ as our King, being dead to this world and raised with Christ, now as citizens of the heavenly kingdom, Paul admonishes us to seek the things that are above. It's his call to living a holy life, a life patterned after the example of Jesus. Seeking the things above is an example of top-down language that gives greater glory and honors to things set above and over something else. Think about the Olympic Games and the awards platform with the gold medal winner always in the center with the silver and bronze winners slightly lower and off to one side or the other. We are to always seek that highest good, the gold medal of living, as it were. But it isn't enough to just say, well, I'm going to strive to do good. I'm going to work a little harder to be a better person today and tomorrow. We must also put our sins, those things that get us into trouble, to death. And what St. Paul is explicitly saying is that we not only must put sin to death, but we must also be dead to it, not wanting sin to be part of our lives. It is not ever okay to sin. Sin is never the right thing to do. What sometimes happens is we treat sin in our lives like some of us sometimes treat dieting and, yes, guilty as charged, well, I'll have a cheat day here, or I'll eat that piece of cake, because surely it won't hurt me too much, just this once. And we sometimes equate sin to pleasurable activities, to acts that, if commanded by God not to do, for some reason seems to hinder our lifestyle or makes us think that we can't have any fun in this world. I mean, after all, everyone else is going to that club. Everyone else is watching that movie. Everyone else has gone to that wild party. And sometimes we sound like classic teenagers when we say, everyone else is doing it, so why can't I? So then, what do we do? How do we get started? How do we decide where to start? Well, first, take note of this passage, Colossians 3, and remember it when you get home. Sometime this afternoon, make a list of these sins and vices that St. Paul gives us in these 11 verses. And make the list such a way that you can keep it with you. Put it in your wallet or your purse or if you're technologically savvy, put it in the notes in your phone so that it's always with you. And as you go through your day, periodically double-check as you review what's happened during the day so far. Did you get angry for an unjust reason? Did you purposely set out to insult or hurt someone else's feelings? Did you get upset for some Silly reason that really doesn't amount to very much in the long run. 
There are things that we do every day. Little seemingly insignificant acts that truly are wicked and evil. It is these that are sometimes the hardest to put to death because we are sometimes unaware of them. Sometimes in the rite of reconciliation, or we sometimes call it confession, we pray that sins that we don't know we are committing be revealed to us so that we can learn to stop sinning in those ways too. Large, grand sins are sometimes easy to spot because we know we did wrong and maybe so does everybody else. But let's take, for example, lying. Those little light white lies that we tell. Well, who decides what is a small lie? Who decides what makes that lie a white lie? Would it not be better to be honest, completely honest, than to tell the white lies, which might start changing to darker shades of color until white lies become black, dark, odious lies. You see, if we get into the habit of lying about small things, it only makes it easier to lie about more important things. And so it is with many other sins. They seem to start out innocently enough but they become gates and traps for more and more sinister sins. Stealing the pen from the bank, stealing time from your employer on your personal email or your Facebook account might one day lead to larger and larger thefts, particularly if we train ourselves wrongly about what sin is. Putting sin in our lives to death is an ongoing, and lifetime piece of work. There will never be the day that we wake up and say, today I will not sin because I have conquered them all. Rather, it's much like exercising and dieting. A constant vigil for some people is a must, while for others it may come more naturally. And if you ever do get into the place where you can say, I have not sinned today, be careful, be careful, because the sin of pride may be lurking just around the corner. You might now be asking, but Father John, why all this emphasis on sin? I'm a Christian, I'm saved, I'm not going to go to hell because I took a candy bar when I was 12 years old from the grocery store, am I? The reason for the emphasis is because of what we have been called into, who we are called to be, and who is calling us into our new glorious life. We have been called into the family of God with Christ as our brother and God 
as our Father. We have been called to be like Christ and to live a holy and blameless life, striving each day to be a little more holy, a little more like Jesus himself. And it is Jesus who calls us. Jesus himself who bids us to join him. Live a life worthy of your calling in Christ. Set your mind on things that are heavenly, things that are from above. Learn to train your body and soul to not give in to all the allures of this world, but rather be fit and trained for the purposes of God's kingdom. Our citizenship is in heaven. Let us therefore pledge our loyalty to Christ and not to the world and all of its passions. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.